All right, I'd like to welcome in to this week's Fight Freaks Unite podcast a very special guest, the one and only Amir Khan, former junior welterweight unified champion. Amir just announced his retirement after a very long and successful career, and I'm very pleased that he's joining us today to talk a little bit about his great career and uh, maybe what he'll be doing in the future. Amir, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. And obviously, it's amazing to you know speak to you as always. You've always been there, supporting and also writing about me from the day, uh, even before I came to America. So thank you very much. I was just thinking to myself, the first time I met you, I think you had come to America soon after you had turned pro to uh, Las Vegas to attend the fight between Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather. A really big fight. Uh, I mean, when you came to that, let me ask you this, when you came out to that fight, I mean, you had already been a pro, but you had never fought yet in the United States. When you saw the kind of big deal that that fight was, did that sort of like whet your appetite to eventually come and fight in the States? Because, you know, unlike a lot of the, the, the top British fighters um, who waited later in their careers to come here, you came pretty early on. Was that sort of the thing that maybe put you over and was like, you know what, I really need to come and fight in America? It, it was done, definitely. It was because obviously when I came and I saw the fight between um, Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya, you know, that made me realize that you know, boxing in America is massive and I want to be amongst these huge names and when I saw the arena being full and, you know, it's, it's a different type of fan base you have in America than, you know, the UK. And um, and then seeing the media, uh, I went to the press conference and I saw the hype and I saw the billboards and how big bo- boxing is in America. I thought, wow, one day I want to be here and I want to put on a performance and I'm very, very glad that I managed to do that. But look, I knew it was going to be hard. It was going to be easy and obviously... I I had big ambitions and um, you know and, and I knew they were going to be hard to fulfill, but luckily we got to we got to it. Absolutely. Now let me ask you about the decision to decide to retire. You had uh, you came back after about a two and a half year layoff. I know you didn't retire during that two and a half years, and you were leaving your options open. Of course, the the British public really had wanted for many years to see you and Kelbrook fight. You finally did. Um, it didn't go your way, obviously. Uh, and I know in the immediate aftermath of the fight, there was the thought that you know maybe both of you would retire. Maybe the winner in this case, Kel, yeah. he talked about maybe fighting on. You sort of left the door open. Then he finally decided that he was going to retire, and then, you know what, maybe a week or two after that, you decided to retire. Can you just tell me a little bit about what what went into your thought process of finally, because I know it's a hard decision. I've covered lots of fighters that, you know, they struggle with. It's all you've done since you're a teenager, basically, uh, is be a fighter. Uh, So how how do you make that decision, and, and how are you determined to stick to it? Yeah, Dan, you know what, it was a very hard decision to make. But it was just that, you know, when I look back at the hard training I was doing, I trained the hardest I've ever trained. And why it was hardest I've ever trained was because obviously I am getting older now and I'm not at my peak of my career. You know, I'm not I'm not like the old spring chicken I used to be. Right. And when I was training, I was getting all these aches and pains and these injuries I was getting in training camp and my legs were hurting and my back would like go when I was running the hills and I'm thinking, what is going on here? But then I just couldn't let the fans in. I mean, the reason I came back after that two and a half year layoff was so I give the British fans that the fight that they've always wanted. I don't think I could have lived with myself not giving them that fight because so many people would talk about me fighting Kelbrook, fighting Kelbrook. And, you know, when are you going to fight him? Who, uh, we want to see that fight. And even though like 90% of the people wanted me to win the fight, but it was just that I had to give it for the fans. I had to do it for, um, you know, to close that chapter in my boxing career, That especially in the UK. And it had been a long time since I last fought in the UK as well. So, you know, 
I thought, I think I owe it to the fans, really. So so then, obviously, went in the, to the fight. Obviously, I didn't get the win, but I was still very um, respected by by all the fans and all the people in the UK that I gave them the fight they've always wanted to see. And, and um, you know, and and, and want to say a big thank you to all the, the writers in the UK, even the writers in America, because they've, not, they've been nothing but amazing and, like, so respectful as well. So I thank them for that as well. Amir, do you have any regrets, though, that you and Kel did not fight when you were both, you know, at the top level, uh, still, 100%. still, still, you know, I mean, I know, look, you guys were fighting at the end of your careers, obviously you both retired afterwards, but think about the, the magnitude of the, I mean, it was a big deal anyway when you finally fought, but if you fought when you were both, you know, still in your primes, the championship level fighters. We were both at the prime. Yeah. There, there, there was talks done when we were both at the prime of our career. There was talks when we were both world champions as well. And he had the IBF. I had the, uh, uh, I had the, uh, I just come up, moved up to, uh, from welterweight winning the WBA, WBA Super and the IBF. So it would have been a massive fight, you know, but for some reason it just never happened. And I think it was because to, the truth was that me and Eddie Hearn would not, Look, I try. You know, we were not. We, right. I didn't like Eddie at the time, and that's the reason that fight never happened. And obviously, the deals I was getting then were bigger in America. And obviously, I went where the bigger money was, and the bigger money at that time was America. Me fighting in America, likes of Danny Garcia, fighting the likes of you know, uh, um, uh, Maidana, Judah. Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for that instead. And obviously. Uh, one more thing was that I always wanted to name, make a name for myself in America and I had the opportunity of fighting in America being a world champion and you know America would just open the door to me around the world people in around around the world knew who Amir Khan was one thing about fighting in America is that when you fight in America and you put on great performances you become a global name yes. and fighting in England no disrespect but fighting in England only Europe gets to know you like maybe Germany France where boxing's big uh, only England no one around the world knew who Amir Khan was till I fought in America. I understand that. Uh, and, and before we look back on that career, that we'll get into that in a minute, uh, let me ask you about what you plan to do in the future. Uh, you know, I hope that because of your name and your likability and the fact that you're recognized, like you said, globally as a boxer, that you'll somehow stay involved in the sport. But what are your plans? I know you have your wife, you have two young children. Yeah. What, what do you, uh, and you also, I know also you're very chatable, well, charitable, plans. you work on different so things. You know with I've, got, I've got a massive, I've got a massive TV show going on now on BBC. It's called Meet the Cons. And right, right. It's huge. I mean, it's a massive show. It's, it's getting played. Uh, in, in the UK and it's massive the numbers that they're getting on BBC is huge it's on a massive platform um, and people get to see the real side of me away from the boxing ring you know whereas before they used to see me in the boxing ring and everything and I think it's nice that now I, I don't have to think about and or, or have that worry about boxing uh, at the same time I am going to start doing some boxing shows so end of the year I'm going to announce doing uh, 12 shows in the UK 12 shows a year once a, once a month I want to do some boxing shows talking about as a, Amir are you talking about as a, as a promoter as a promoter as well yeah I've got the Amir Khan promotion I'm going to start continuing promoting young fighters open coming fighters and okay. helping the you know helping the young fighters who probably looked up to me who you know because if you think about it in my career I did achieve a lot you know God's been kind and I, I fought in America and I made a choice of going to America young when everybody said to me, you're making a big mistake. You're making big money in the UK, but now I want you to go to America and make a name. Uh, and I'm doing the same thing in America. I'm going to start a boxing league in America. 
and I'm making promotions, which is going to be very tasty, and I'm going to learn something in the near future. Well, like I said, I hope you do stay involved in boxing because I think you're definitely going to be good for the sport. And uh, whether it's in, like you said, in the promotional thing, or if you're helping uh, bring up the younger fighters, um, you know, you were a very yeah. young fighter when you. And you also, yeah, go ahead. I'm still a young fighter as well, you know. And, <laughs> and also, you know, what, what I love to do as well, Dan, is I love doing commentary work, talking boxing. You know, I'm a boxing fan as well as a fighter. And I love talking boxing. I love commentating. I did some stuff with Showtime. I did some stuff with ESPN. And I want to start continuing that now. Now that I'm, I'm a free agent as well. So, you know, I've got Sky who's talking to me who want me to do boxing shows and commentating and stuff. So let's see how things play out. You know, but at the moment, you know, our future's looking good. And in the sport of boxing, boxing's been nothing but amazing for me. I made a lot of money in the sport of boxing. I'm very happy with my, how my career went. And it's now time to look at maybe me doing punditry and stuff like that. Well, I think you'd be good at that for sure. And you talk about being, uh, you know, known uh, globally at this point because of all the big fights you had in the United States, plus a long career, plus obviously the fights in the UK. But it all really started when you became at age 17 the youngest ever British boxer to win an Olympic medal. You were a silver medalist as a teenager. And essentially, you've been in the public spotlight ever since that time uh, as, a, as a teenager coming off that medal run in the 2004 Olympics. And I just wonder, like... You know, you were in a fishbowl for all that time. How hard was that as you're trying to develop as a fighter? You know, most young fighters, even if they're coming out of the Olympics, they still have the chance to do fights in somewhat kind of anonymity, like on an undercard in a six-rounder. But you were always, you know, even if you weren't the main event, you were certainly on television. You were getting a lot of attention from the press, from uh, the fans. How was it to sort of come up with the spotlight, always shining bright on you? It was always hard done, you know, it wasn't easy. So, like, if you think about it, when I was fighting, I was fighting under Frank Warren. I did a, I did an 18-fight deal with Frank Warren. And I remember that um, I was getting paid really well. I did a sign, I signed, my signing bonus was almost $2 million uh, at that time. Or $3 million it was. It was about 2 to $3 million it was a signing on bonus. And it was one of the biggest signing bonuses ever in, in boxing history. And obviously that pressure was on me that coming back to the Olympics, I had a huge fan base from just coming back from the Olympics, you know, winning a silver medal, totally changed my life. People knew who Amir Khan was. Previously to that, you know, I had fought in the World Championships, the European Championships, won gold medals, beat the likes of like Ugas in the World Championships, beat, the, beat some really good up-and-coming fighters and, you know, uh, who are now world champions or champions in the sport. By the way, what people forget and, is your last amateur fight, which was a big, big deal. People probably don't remember this. You had the rematch with Mario Kindelin from Cuba and you beat him in that fight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So that was my last fight. And I didn't want to leave the amateurs and not take in that last fight. I had the opportunity to fight Cuba, the guy who beat me in the Olympic finals. And I, I avenged my loss. And, uh, you know, then, then I turned professional and turned, turned over with Frank Warren with a huge, massive bonus it was. And uh, I fought under him. It was like, I, I, I got a deal with ITV, which is a terrestrial TV channel in mm-hmm. the UK. It was massive, like... Even though that I was the undercard, really, but it was like it was my show. Right. It was like the Amir Khan show. Even though I was just new, it was my first fight, and all the arenas were full. And so I had that pressure on me that, wow, these people are expecting me to become a world champion, a great fighter because of the Olympic background, because they all followed my career. And, you know, that pressure was on me, but, you know, luckily I trained hard, I worked hard, and I, and I got through it. Even though, like, you know, my fight number, I think fight number 17. I, I had a loss. I lost to Brady's Prescott. That was and a, everyone like doubted me hard. I was going like, to ask bro, you about that. I mean, honestly, that was a shock to. I mean, I'm sure to you. I'm sure 
you couldn't have imagined losing that type of fight. And, and at least losing is always a possibility. I think every boxer understands that. Yeah. Every athlete understands that. I think, Amir, it was really the way that it happened with the, just out of nowhere, the first exactly. round knockout. Um, out of nowhere. How, how, are you able, how are you able to recover so from that? Because you went on and had huge wins after bro, that and became hard. a champion. Bro, bro, it was so hard for me to come back from there. I remember the next day reading the papers and even people who turned against me, friends left me, you know, team members left me. Like Frank Warren kind of just kind of put me on the back, on the bench. Everyone lost that love for me and that, and, 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 and that, and that uh, hype. It's like now he's got beaten, he's never going to come back. I remember reading articles, people saying, oh, he's a, he's one of them guys who's just, obviously, luckily he got through the Olympics and made a name and now he's got beat, now he's finished. So I had everyone against me, honestly. like, And for me to come back from there, came back, I fought Ocean Fagan, yep. uh, I stopped him and then went on to fight um, Marco Antonio Barrera. Who everyone doubted me. They go, you know what, if he, lose one more, if he loses this fight now, that's him done. He should retire from boxing. And well, that's I was what everyone saying. really doubted me. You got the win over Fagan. You you defeated Barrera, who was granted was long in the tooth at that point, but still a legend, and you know could still handle himself, yeah. obviously. And then what people forget is that after being stopped in the first round by Prescott, it was three fights later, not even one full year, ten months later, you were a world champion. You defeated uh, Andre yes. Kotelnik for the WBA title at a uh, at junior Correct. welterweight. Um, so you. Yes. As much as the loss may have impacted you, obviously it did not derail you. Were you um, motivated by that loss? Yeah, definitely. I had to. I had to show the public. I look. I'm like. I'm going to be a champion, and I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm going to come back from that. That loss was just a. It was like a. It was a kind of a blessing, to be honest with you. My, even though it was a nice when I got knocked out, but it was like a blessing because it made me train harder. See, after that fight against. Prescott, I changed my whole team. I changed my trainer. I went to America. I started training with Freddie Roach. And then I started sparring the likes of Manny Pacquiao, who was then getting ready to fight against Oscar La Jolla. Mm -hmm. So I was then around big fighters, big names. And, and that kind of inspired me because what I wanted to do then was one day be like the likes of Manny Pacquiao. And Oscar, I was then getting invited to all these big events and training alongside these great fighters. And I thought, if I did so well against Manny Pacquiao and sparring, well, there's a chance of me becoming a world champion and putting all the putting all them bad memories behind me against Prescott. So when I think about like when guys retire, I'm always sort of thinking about like how will they be remembered? And you know, I have my view. I know fans have their view, but the fighter has their own view. I'll tell you how I feel. Like I feel like the way that most boxing fans will remember Amir Khan is. Whatever they thought of you as a fighter, as a, as a person, the style you fought, which one thing I think everybody will realize and can't ever say negative about is you fought everybody. You never ducked a guy. You might have lost a couple fights. You won some big fights. But you, you fought everybody of your time that mattered. And, you know, without, yeah, no, without a worry about losing your zero or, or, or all the nonsense that you hear from so many fighters today. Is that how you think you'll be remembered? I think that when I hear Amir Khan, it's like he fought everybody. Yeah, definitely. You know, I want to be remembered as that fighter who was a massive name, who was making big money, but still took them risky fights, which I didn't need to. I could have had an unbeaten record and not for the biggest name, but still, you know, made big money in the sport and left. But you know what? I always wanted to have them big fights and, and have them 50-50 fights as well, which I really didn't need. Like, look, even me when I fought against Maidana. Right. Now, that was a fight where, after, obviously, after I lost against Prescott, I went on and beat... Um, 
beat the 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 New York fighter in um, uh, what's he called uh, the, the 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 Orthodox Jewish Yeah, you after you if you can tell, like you knocked out Demetrius Salita in one round. Demetrius Salita, correct? Yeah. Yes. So I, I, obviously then. I went, and from there, then I went to America. I fought against Paulie Malinaji, and then fought Maidana, who really I didn't need to fight because I was already a world champion. I mean, but obviously, Golden Boy said you want to, you need to fight him. I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll fight him. See that, and I knew that was going to be like a fifty-fifty fight. But obviously, a lot of people really thought I was going to get knocked out. Right now, the and thing I is, still went in there and. Yeah, you still went in there and put yeah, on sorry, a, as a fight of the year type fight, uh, obviously, uh, for those who remember that. But Amir, yeah. you weren't just fighting like top guys and, and fighting whoever. You were also the kind of guy that would fight in the other guy's hometown. Now, you had a lot of fights, obviously, at home in England, but you also fought Pauli Malinaji in New York City in his hometown. You fought yeah. Um, yeah. a lot of American fighters in America. Lamont, you fought Lamont Peterson in Washington, D.C., which was his hometown. Uh, you know, that those are not the kind of things that a lot of fighters will do. You fought Chris Algieri in basically his hometown in Brooklyn. Uh, you fought Canelo yeah. in, you know, Vegas is basically his hometown in terms of his boxing career. Yeah, correct. Um, what, what was it in your mentality where like, you know what, I don't care, I'll go wherever the wherever the fight is. If it's in our hometown, fine. Yeah, if it's that's in it, hometown, man. I'm no a fighter. Fine. I'm a fighter and I think so. young fighters should take that leaf out of my book and think, wait a minute, I'm here, I used to go there and not worry about uh, fighting in the hometown of the fighter. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm game. I'm just a game fighter. I love getting in the trenches and fighting. And I think just that win is becomes more sweeter when you fight in their hometown. You know, and a lot of times I was a champion and I still went there and fought them at the hometown. Right. And a lot of people thought I was crazy doing that, but you know what? I enjoyed that hype. When I when I look at the I, I made a list of like I mean you had a lot of fights of course against quality guys, but I count like a dozen fights of yours that were against name guys, top guys that you just fought and it was, you know, you won some of these fights, you lost some of these fights, but I don't think people appreciate the depth of the resume. I'm going to read these off to you. Think about this. I don't know how often you study your own record. Marco Antonio Barrera, Pauli Malinaji, Marcos Maidana, Zab Judah in a unification fight that you won by a knockout, Luis Colazzo, Devin Alexander, Chris Algieri, and then the losses with Terrence Crawford, Kel Brook, Canelo, much bigger fighter, of course, than you, uh, Danny Garcia, and Lamont Peterson. I dare say that of the last, you know, 10, 20 years, that's about as deep a resume as any top fighters had in terms of the opposition that they faced. What do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, but when you just said that, I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, sometimes you do forget. You do forget that, and honestly, you do forget sometimes that how many big names. You know, you see some people's careers and they only maybe face like one or two big name fighters. Like you look at maybe someone like Nassim Hamed. Barrera was one of the biggest names. Uh, uh, you know, not not uh, and, and, and a kid from New York. He fought. So, but if you look at my resume, I did. I never knew, but you forget sometimes. I fought some huge names in the sport, and and I'm very happy because that respect is there for us. And maybe that's why you know I got so much love around the world because at least people know that I was never one fighter to shy away and scared of taking a loss. So, of all those fights and all those big wins and and frankly big losses. What do you view, and your again, I have my opinion, but what do you view of your greatest accomplishment in the in your professional sport? I understand you may look to the silver medal. I know I've talked to Oscar De La Hoya to this day. He maintains that his gold medal victory in the 1992 Olympics was his biggest win. But in terms of your professional career, what do you view as like your number one accomplishment, your biggest win? My biggest win for me, um, see, I've got a couple because I like the 
Kotelnik fight when everyone doubted me. Kotelnik just just come off that win against Maidana, mm-hmm. and obviously I took that I took that world title off him. So that was my first world title fight. And then after that, it was about me not everyone saying Amir can't take a punch. Uh, and then I went on and fought against Maidana, and that was a fight of the year, and it was like a grueling fight. You know, what I mean, that was like in the trenches. I had to dig deep. I was literally in the fight. There was probably times where I probably didn't know where the hell I was, and I got hit with shots at which. You know, I don't think it's good for a fighter to take that many big punches or that punishment. Right. Honestly, like, after the fight, this is the honest truth, that like, I don't remember anything. I don't remember walking uh, walking out of the ring. I don't remember who put me to bed, oh, how boy. I got home. I don't remember anything. And you know what? They were the type of fighters that kind of showed, I had to show my heart, I had to show the type of fighter I am. And then, you know, from then on, you know, so I think the Maidana fight definitely is one fight that everybody talks about. And then even the Zabjuda fight when it was when it was a unification fight, when I obviously, uh, no, not Maidana, sorry, Zabjuda fight, yeah. Zabjuda fight was a unification fight. Oh, yeah. Another tile added to the my career. And I think that was a, and the Zabjuda at that time, obviously come off a winning, uh, a good win, become a world champion again. He was the IBF world champion and I went, uh, went, went on and, for him and beat him, so so I'm, uh, you know they, them them three fights kind of shine for me. Kotelnik, Maidana, and Judah. Listen, those are great. I mean, those are all Correct. significant. Like you said, your first world title, a unification, and then probably the best primus guy that you beat uh, in terms of your title defenses. And so, if those are your 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 greatest wins, your your top accomplishments, I must ask because there's been some rough ones. When you think back, uh, not to dig up the the bad memories necessarily, but what do you yeah. view as like the uh, hardest uh, loss? I know what I think. The, yeah, the hardest loss, you know what that was? It was against Danny Garcia. I knew you were going to say that. That's my opinion also. Because Honestly, let's be bro, honest, you, you, were, you were kicking his ass before he stopped you. I know, bro. You know what it was? You know, that's one thing about boxing. You take your eye off the game for one second, boom, it's over. That's what happened in that fight. I remember that I was winning the first round, second round. I was, you were really, let's be honest, you, you, you were making it look easy. Yeah, you were I making it look easy. Yeah. Cut him up. Both his eyes were cut. He, I remember him walking to the corner. I thought, you know what? This fight's going to get stopped in another couple of rounds. Fourth round, he called me over, overhand left hook. Boom. Put me down. I just never recovered from that left hook. And then he got the stoppage I learned later. And I think that's, that fight still hurts me till this day, you know? Uh, I can because understand that. Because that was that. for the undisputed unification fight. And it would have been a massive fight for me. But look, you know, um, it was a hard loss to take for me at that time, yeah. You know, when when people think about it also, they, they say about, you know, you had the blinding speed. I have said that, to me, you had two of the fastest hands I've ever seen in my 20-plus years of covering boxing. Um, but they'll look at the negative and say, you know what, Amir Khani, you know, he couldn't really take a great shot. Now, that's not entirely true because yeah. you took some, like you said, took some hellacious shots against Marcus Maidana and stood up to them, uh, and he's not the only guy you took some good shots against. But... um. Do you feel like that that in in totality that you know that chin just sort of lets you down over the years? Yeah, definitely. You know, look, end of the day, you, you're born like that, and you and as a fighter, I don't know if it was me cutting the weight wrong. I don't know what it was. You know, because in sparring, I've never been down. Obviously, being hit with by big 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 sparring partners as well. Even in some fights like Maidana fight, it was just when I was cutting the weight. As I got older, it started getting harder for me, and I think that's where the punches started coming in. See, when I fought, when I lost against Prescott, I was killing myself making 135. Yeah, right. Then I moved up away to 140 and fought against uh, Kotelnik after that and won a world title. Obviously, then 140 started getting really hard for me, and straight after that fight against Danny Garcia, I moved up away 
uh, uh, to 147 and then it got a little bit easier but look uh, I fought against Colazo and Alexander and them guys but look maybe yeah maybe I wasn't the best at taking a biggie shot since in a sport you know you can't have everything in life <laughs> right. and I think maybe that might be one of the biggest downfalls of my career but uh, other than that I think yeah, I think in a funny side of it looking at it I think it was uh, quite exciting because at the time everyone wanted to see me fight because they thought you know anything can happen in Nam you can't fight okay fine he's got the blistering hand speed he's got the movement the, the explosiveness but the thing is he might get caught well, so that's what made the drama. That must made the drama of your fights. The drama, exactly. There's always comes gonna some something's always gonna happen. Either I'm here not or obviously he gets knocked down himself. So, so I, then that's said about about you know the excitement and the drama and the the ability or perhaps the inability to take the biggest shot. What in the world were you thinking of moving all the way up to fight Canelo Alvarez for the middleweight title? Granted, I know it was at a catch weight huh. of 155, but he yeah. was so much bigger. And it just felt like, and I was there, it just felt like inevitable what was unfolding. I see Amir Khan boxing his brains out, easily beating Canelo Alvarez for the first few rounds. Yeah. And it was just a matter of, at some point, when is Canelo going to catch yeah. up to him? See, in the first couple of rounds when I was fight, fighting him, I was catching him and I was, I was moving around, hit, move, hit, move. And I thought, you know what, I can do this all the way. I have to just stick to my game plan and hit and move, hit and move and not get involved in anything. And then obviously I get too brave for my own good, and then he ended up catching me with an overhand right hand, which, which literally knocked me out, which he did, you know. And um, a lot of people were saying to me before the fight, "Are you crazy fighting this guy?" I go, "Look, fine, if he's going to make one five five, I've never made one five five, but I'll uh, I'll fight at one five five. I didn't think he was going to be that strong or that big. I remember looking at him in the corner of the fight when he walked in the ring." And I couldn't believe the size he put on. <laughs> right. I tried to I tried to get him to do a rehydration clause, but uh, Oscar said, "Hell no, he's not going to do that." And now he's so fighting twenty he pounds heavier than that, right? He's Can now you believe that. And so he shows how thick he is and big he is. So that's when I thought, you know what? Wait a minute. When I looked at him in that corner, I thought, "This is going to be." I have to keep on running. I can't stand there with him. He's going to kill me. Do you feel like it was a mistake to fight him because of how brutal that knockout was? Not really, no. I mean, look, it was a... You know, if I didn't take that fight because it was offered to me, I would have always thought, what would have happened? Yeah. If I could have... I, I boxed him all the way through the 12 rounds. I mean, when that but happens, though... You know you what have, happened in the fight. Do you, do you, I mean, you that that I mean, getting knocked out or being stopped or losing, I mean, that happens in boxing. But when it's that rough, I have to think, besides your own mind and, and feeling like that there's vulnerability, like, it has to really, like, cause, like like, emotions for your family. Like, I remember seeing, like, when Ricky Hatton got yeah. knocked out against Manny Pacquiao and just the agony that his girlfriend was in at ringside. Like, she was hysterical. Like, that, and I, I don't know what your family was going through at that time with the Canelo fight, but I would think it's something sort of similar. Like, they don't want to see you get hurt. They don't want to see you get knocked out. I mean, losing is one thing, but that seemed, like, I rougher mean, than your normal knockout. It was a brutal knockout. It was a brutal knockout. It was really bad, and no family member a loved one wants to see their son or their husband or their, you know, loved one get knocked out like that. And I think to be knocked out like that was, I'm glad it was one punch. And right. you know, sometimes, I mean, when people say that, I go, look, I'm glad it was one punch every time. Because, you know, instead of taking a number of heavy shots, I think that in the long, long, long term, it affects you more than just being knocked out with that one punch. Right, I can understand so that. Maybe, in a way, it was a blessing, you know, instead of me taking like, 
and numerous punches, amount of punches in the fight. At least I took that one big shot, and I was out. Oh, and did, the, did that? Did the family yeah. members, whether it was your parents or you know uh, other loved ones, your 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 wife or even your children, did they sort of like prod you? Say, okay, listen, uh, you've had a great career. We're, we got a lot of money. We're rich. You know, you don't need this anymore. Did they sort of like help push you into decide to retire? Like you do it because you knew that it was something that they wanted for you know for you also. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously after the last fight, they said they said to me, "Look, Amir, you could see the wear and tear, the injuries you're getting in training. It's a sign. Yeah. It's a sign. Don't let boxing retire you." And that's the way it was going. And I was being too ballsy for my own good. I was being too strong for my own good. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing's gonna happen to me. I'm gonna still stay boxing. I'm, there's only it was only a small mistake that happened. I lost a fight, but I'll come back stronger. But you know what? You can't you can't turn turn time back. And I thought, you know what, I want to be there for my kids. Sure. So yeah. when my wife said to me, look, I'm here, I want you to retire. I was like, you know what, you think, I think it might be the right time to retire now because I want to grow old and, 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 and I want to be, I want to grow up with my kids as a friend, as a father, but I don't want to be forgetting their names. Or, <laughs> you know, there's, other, there's life after boxing as well, ain't there? So I want to start focusing on other things. I might have another hobby I want to do and I might want to do something else in my life. And I thought if I'm gonna keep keep on taking these big punches in in in, in the in the sport of boxing, I don't think I'll be in the right frame of mind or physically in the right way to do them. And how how old are your kids now? So I got I got an eight year old, I've got a four year old, and I've got a a two year old. I mean, I always wanted to stay in the sport of boxing for them to grow older and see that daddy was a champion, daddy was a good fighter, daddy has a lot of fans. But well, luckily, my oldest daughter recognizes that. Like, she loves when I pick her from school. Everyone comes around me taking <laughs> pictures and stuff. And they give her the extra treatment, you know, for being Amir Khan's daughter. Right. Well, um, but I want my son really to see me as a, as a fighter, you know, so he, he can grow up and see how hard I work. And obviously, I retired before he's old enough to recognize I'm a boxer. Well, you can definitely take advantage of uh, the fact that there are things like YouTube and you can show anybody your old fights and the interviews and the training footage and all the stuff that's out there. So they can definitely have that, uh, that so, memory yeah. of, uh, of you no, as a definitely, boxer. Yeah, definitely. One day, you know what, I will sit there with them. And I think it's brilliant because I can show them that, look, your daddy used to train hard. He used to push himself and never used to give up. And even in any fights, sometimes you have to take the risks. And that's what I did. I took a lot of risks. And sometimes taking a risk is not a bad thing. Yeah, and, I agree um, with that. So I want to, at least I have that to show them. So now of all the, the big time fights you had, the, the high, high highs and some of those lows, the one thing I know that has to be sort of like annoying to you, even after all of the great career, all of the titles and the, and the, and the big fights and the money and all that, yeah. I know that there was two fights that you wanted that you never got. They're like, and it's not because you didn't want the fights and you were willing to take them. There was a lot of teasing, a lot of maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You never did get the fight with Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, see, Floyd, Floyd was the first one where he said, I'll fight the, I'll fight, I'll, I'll do a poll. I remember I'll that. I'll do a poll of either if it's Amir Khan or Marcus Maidana. Obviously, the winner of that poll, I will fight. Obviously, I won the poll by a wide margin. So I thought I was going to have the Floyd Mayweather fight. He had me on the bench, waiting, 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 and obviously I never got that fight. And then I was a little bit hurt by it. And then same thing happened with Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, you just never got either one of them, and those, and those would have been. I mean, I never those, got either one of them. And it kind of surprised me with with as many top names as they both fought, and your willingness to step up and fight anybody. 
and also being an attraction in your own right that would have made the, I mean, as big of a name as they were in terms of making a big pay-per-view fight. Um, yeah. Uh, you brought something to the table also, I felt like. So I, I was kind of surprised that neither one of those matches ever happened. Yeah, and if you think about it, Floyd, obviously, it would have been a great storyline. You know what I mean? Obviously, Floyd's not the biggest puncher, but obviously it would have been like a game of chess. Speed versus speed. Speed versus technique. So uh, that would have been an amazing one. Um, and obviously, I was at the peak of my career then. Obviously, Floyd had me waiting for like two years on the bench. He's going to give me the fight. He's going to give me the fight. I was not fighting. I was waiting for him. And then the Manny Pacquiao thing happened as well, where I'm waiting again. And those two fights didn't happen. And I think, obviously, with Manny, we had some great sparring sessions. Mm -hmm. We spar, we, and he, he knows... That there come times where even Fred Roach would go out and say, I mean, you can't beat money up in sparring. And, you know, and I thought I've got my extra, I've got my edge on him if I ever took that fight with Manny Pacquiao because he, I know what he's going to bring to the table. But, yeah, I was really upset both of them fights didn't really happen, you know. And even when I was supposed to fight Floyd, I remember I was even happy to take a massive pay cut and say, listen, I'll, 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 I'll fight you for what I got paid against someone like Maidana. Right. You know, even though Floyd was a pay per view start and I was not going to get anything from the pay-per-view numbers or anything I just wanted to fight him at the peak of my career uh, and I, I think that would have been like I said that would have been a big event either you and Floyd or you and Manny uh, you had a lot of big fights in, in uh, you know but not maybe that big obviously I mean the Canelo fight was was pretty big at the yeah. time um, and so now that you're you're retired you don't have to get up and go run you're not going to the gym anymore you can kind of kick back and do your thing you got your TV show and your family and doing your thing um when you think back, just and I'll wrap it up with this, Amir, and I so much appreciate the time for uh, for all these uh, this conversation. How do you just, in your own mind, like sum up your boxing career? Um, see, I, I mean, I, look, I, I just I was happy with the world, our world title. You know, when I started, when I turned professional, I said I'm going to win one, a world title and I'm going to be happy with it. But then, obviously, you win another world title and then you win a second one, and then you think. I want to do more. And then you start seeing the big paychecks coming in. And then you think, wow, I want to do it for them big paychecks as well. And I want to do it for my name as well. People are recognizing me more. Wherever I go now, people know who I'm here. They want to see me. And then I started fighting for my fans. I wanted to give them the excitement fights and exciting fights. And I wanted to do it for, for them. But you know what? It was, I think um, I may have stayed in the game a little bit, maybe a year or two longer than I should have. Um, I think after the fight against... Um, uh, Canelo I think I should have really called it a day because you know that was like one of the biggest fights and it was such a brutal knockout as well and then obviously I should have called it a day but obviously I still continued because the amount of, the amount of demand that was there in the UK fighting the UK again the amount of love I was getting from the UK fans they want to see me fight again right. I came back and I fought again and you know, God's always giving me them big chances and the big fights. Think about it, man. I've, had, I've, I've won fights, I've lost fights. I've come back and fought, had another win and then fought another massive name like in Terence Crawford. You know, so I've always had that opportunity of making big fights, big money. And so I've been very fortunate. Boxing has been very good to me. And that's why I'll always have my foot in the door in boxing. I'll never, ever forget about the sport. And I'll always respect what boxing has done for me. Well, I'm, I'm, I am... Uh... 
I'm happy that you that you're satisfied with the career. I think you had a, a very underrated career because of all those names I read off earlier in terms of the fighters that you faced, and just the fact that it was the willingness to fight anybody and even go to their hometowns. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, I appreciate. It. Look, I, I covered many of your American fights. I counted up before we got on uh, this interview to talk about. It. I was ringside for eight of your fights. Wrote about your entire career, and so I will say publicly, thank you for the drama and the thrills, and and always being a stand-up guy with the press. Oh, thank you very much, man. Thank you, man. And, you know, and I think if any young fighters listen to this, they should, you know, they should follow my footprint. They should give their time to the media. They should, you know, fight whoever they put in front of them instead of avoiding these big names. Go for it, man. I mean, don't give up because you'll still be remembered as a great fighter because you never took away from any big name. Exactly. That is very well said. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Amir, thank you very much. I think I speak for boxing fans all around the world when I say nothing but the best of luck and, and good wishes for you and your retirement. Thank you, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Lovely speaking to you once again.